Well, gosh, you know, I didn't even have to do any like, question management. You just, you were ahead of me every step of the way there. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. just a talker. You just let me go and I'll cover it at some well, point. Well, you know, and that's one of the great things about having an HR-focused podcast. <laughs> Pretty much everybody who comes on knows how to talk. <laughs> and I just have to keep up, you know. <laughs> Welcome to The Workplace, where we talk about the cultures we work in and how to make them better for everyone. I'm Andrew Scarcella. This episode, we're talking with Natalie Snyder from GE Appliances about using times of great change as opportunities to grow as a company, as a culture, and as individuals, and how recognition plays a key role in connecting all three together into something larger. Join us after the interview for tangible takeaways, where we'll talk about the ideas and actions we can take with us and implement in our own workplace cultures. Natalie Snyder is the Senior Director of Compensation and Benefits at GE Appliances, a hire company. Natalie's background is in psychology, but she's made her career in the HR world, solving people problems and shaping a workplace culture that's resilient, adaptable, and always moving towards a clear North Star. Natalie was interviewed by me, and I think this conversation might be the most timely one we've ever had on the workplace. With Employee Appreciation Day coming up in just a few days, to get to talk to an HR leader like Natalie about how she approaches employee recognition, both during the pandemic and looking forward to whatever the aftertimes are like, is invaluable. It's exactly the kind of candid conversation we all need to hear right now as we struggle and succeed to shape a resilient, thriving culture amidst all the uncertainty. Let's get to it. Hi, Natalie. Welcome to the workplace. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. So I would like to get things started by going backwards (laughs) to your first job. What was your first job? So I was working for a company that made light bulbs um, in Cleveland, Ohio. And this was in the early 2000s. So I was an HR manager in a number of different manufacturing facilities throughout Northeast Ohio. So your first job was in HR? Yes, it was. I actually, I got my master's in human resources and started my career in that field. Oh, wow. So you, uh, a lot of people start at the bottom. It sounds like you started at the top. (laughs) Um, You know, it's interesting. I knew early on that I wanted to do something related to people. Um, I was a psychology undergrad and was really figuring out how I could apply that without being in a clinical setting. So HR was a really Mm -hmm. natural fit. I joke a lot that I think in my HR career, I've used my psych undergrad degree more than I've probably used my master's in HR. (laughs) I'm not surprised. I think all the time that uh, HR departments should have an on-site psychiatrist or psychologist (laughs) or some sort of like behavioral uh, therapist. (laughs) But you have a background in it. so, So there is one on staff. Exactly. <laughs> you. you know, I play one on TV, right? Isn't that how they say it? Yeah. 
But it really, you know, it's interesting because I, I really the part of psychology I focused on is really related to HR. It's, it's industrial and organizational de- design and, you know, and how what you do as a company impacts behavior and how employees' behavior impacts the company. So um, particularly I moved when I moved into compensation about 12 years ago, that really became front and center. You know, compensation is a big driver of behavior and that can be a positive or a negative depending on how you design the incentives, right? So it really has been an interesting journey. You know, starting my career, I was more in the union relations side of the house, um, in manufacturing, uh, HR business partner roles. And now, like I said, I've been doing compensation for the last 12 years of my career and, and surprised how much I enjoy that. I think it's married up really well, the analytical portion of my brain with the, you know, solving people problems aspect of HR. Well, speaking of problems or maybe opportunities, a little background on your career uh, with GE Appliances. Uh, in 2016, you guys were acquired yeah. by Hire, but you uh, you decided that it was the perfect time to change things up, right? You took that opportunity, normally a time of chaos and upheaval, to try to redefine your company purpose. Yeah, never miss a good opportunity, right? Mm. So, you know, we were in this time of uncertainty. I will will say with no reservation, Hire has been a fantastic parent company and and a great partner for us. They've they've done a lot around driving our strategic vision, but at the end of the day, they've allowed us to find what works for us and really define ourselves as a company, you know, and, and who is GE Appliances, a Hire company? I moved into the appliances division 15 years ago. And, you know, there were a lot of things that were great about being part of a large conglomerate parent company, but appliances was not the focus of GE. And, and, you know, and they rightfully so said, you know what, we want to focus on our core businesses and we're going to find a better home for the appliance business. Hire, this is what they do. They're the largest appliance company in the world. And they wanted us to not only succeed, but grow in a way that I'm not sure we really felt with our former parent company. You know, we just Mm. weren't part of their core business. So, you know, the great thing about the leadership in place at the time was, I think all of us had in our head, wow, if I ran this place, here's what I'd do differently, (laughs) right? So I think just the opportunity, we had to move very quickly. Um, We only had about five months to stand up a new company. So there were some things that we had to get done right away. Others, I think, you know, the purpose being one of them, we took some time, right? Mm. We we sat back and reflected and said, you know, who are we in this new world? We have a parent company that's driving us to succeed, that is encouraging us and investing in us. And there are some muscles we haven't used or exercised in a while in that space. So, you know, we have to really define what we're all about and in a lot of ways redefine how we work to get the the growth engine running, right? It was just a different way of working than we've had before. So in terms of the purpose, I was not directly involved in developing it, but I will say I think the team, one, they did a fantastic job of focusing down to a core message, which was enabling happiness and well-being in every home. It's pretty inspirational, right? You know, you can get caught up sometimes of, we're making washing machines and dishwashers, but at the end of the day, we want to delight our owners. We want people that bring us into their home to feel that we are enabling happiness and well-being in their life. What I think the team did really well was this was not a top-down exercise. 
they brought together a team that represented so many different swaths of the organization. We had people represented at every level. We had employees that were brand new to the company next to employees who had been with us for decades. We had people that worked in all the different functional areas. You had people from human resources, from manufacturing, from distribution and transportation coming together and really you know, trying to define the purpose and all the different perspectives that brought. We had generational differences represented in the room. We had, you know, racial, ethnic, and gender backgrounds represented in the room. And I think that really helped us get to a solution that resonated with everyone. Um, it's interesting. We created this team. We called them our cultural ambassadors. And we actually kept that team intact for the first, I'd say, year and a half post-acquisition and as we were looking at doing things differently and new, like we did with our recognition solution, mm. we used that team as our sounding board as we designed those. Um, as we looked at our learning and development platforms and you know training opportunities, we continued to tap into this team. And it really, I think, helped us get to a place that was a heck of a lot better than if we were just sitting in our offices coming up with what we thought the right answer was. You used a similar uh, approach when you were evolving your uh, recognition and service award programs. You had that uh, that wide-ranging uh, group of contributors. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. We had a core group that was designing our recognition solution. And it, just like everything else when we went through the acquisition, we were making decisions of what we wanted to keep and bring with us into the new world and what we wanted to jettison and do differently. And we had a recognition solution with our former parent company. It actually worked very well, but it was mainly driven by a cash focus, um, you know, focused on gift cards and, and cash pretty much exclusively. And as I explored our options out there and what some of the, um, and I'll talk later, I don't love the term best practices, but what other companies <laughs> were doing, um, you know, I really felt like we had the opportunity to upgrade our, our recognition experience. And wanted the opportunity to very simply say thank you without having to, you know, have dollars associated with it. I wanted to focus on tangible gifts and items that, you know, would remind people of that recognition experience. But I also know that I'm one voice. And so we wanted to validate some of our assumptions. So while we had a core group that was a mixture of HR and marketing uh, professionals and communications team uh, professionals, we went to the cultural ambassadors group multiple times throughout the design to ensure that we were getting it right, that we were delivering a solution that was going to resonate with them and something that was going to get used, right? The worst thing you can do is spend a lot of time and energy developing something and have it just disappear into the ether. Right. It has to become part of your culture. Right. I mean, it's more than a lot of other aspects even, you know, it's, it's integral. Exactly. And, you know, the great news is we had a very strong foundation of recognition. It was truly part of who we were and how we operated. So it wasn't that I had to convince people necessarily that, you know, having a recognition program was a good Which idea. It can be tough. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it can. I, the great thing is people in leadership understood the value of the program. It was really into the how were we going to deliver it and making it more of an experience then mm. what I had seen mm -hmm. in the past was very transactional and it it didn't resonate as meaningfully. I mean, I'll give a real life recognition example from early in my career. 
you know, I had um, a big project I worked on a couple years into my career. I was very young, right out of school, and I got my first award. It was it was a cash award, and I was, you know, first of all, flabbergasted, and I still think about that reaction and cringe. I did not know how to receive recognition. It was so awkward. <laughs> yeah, um, that's <laughs> not normally part of the training. It's it's they teach a lot about how to how to give recognition and why right. it's important, but the reception, you know, it's it. Yeah, it can be a little awkward. Oh, it was very awkward. I still cringe, you know, many 18 years later, I'm cringing about it, thinking about it. But <laughs> it, it led to an experience for me as a leader to ensure that I understood how my people wanted to be recognized, right? There are some people that want that big public recognition, some that don't. Mm-hmm. But that experience... And some so people I, that cringe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Super <laughs> awkward. Um, it's interesting. When I received that, yes, it was a cash award, but I was explicitly, you know, encouraged to use it on something special, to, you know, book a trip or buy myself something that was meaningful. And I did that. I, I took a trip. I went out to the Southwest. I went to Arizona and Utah and saw parts of the country I hadn't seen before. Oh. And that trip was over 18 years ago. And I still think about it and remember that it was a recognition experience and remember what I did to to receive that. And that was an experience that I wanted to carry through, you know, with our new program. I wanted people to remember less the value of the award. I don't want it to become a compensation exercise. I don't want it to disappear into people's or bank worse, accounts. Or worse, a competition, right? Right. I wanted it to be an experience. And I just knew early on in my career when I was encouraged to use recognition to have an experience, it mattered. And and similarly, you know, I remember another project I worked on that I received a bracelet. So one one of my leaders, uh, we had a large team in India. He had gone to travel in India and he brought back with him a gorgeous pearl bracelet from India. And every time I put that on, I remember him. I remember the project I worked on. I remember the, you know, I mean, that's a rare kind of gift to get in a work setting, and I'm a jewelry person. For sure. Person. I mean, you I have know. to know someone pretty well to right. get a, to, to buy, to choose the gift yourself. Usually, you know, again, best practices, yeah. sorry, um, is to let the person, you know, choose exactly. something that really fits them. Boy, it says a lot if you know what the person wants. Exactly. And that, that resonates. He, he knows I'm a jewelry hound. That is a weakness, and I will admit, and he... <laughs> He nailed it. It's a new and term. I know that was. A, <laughs> I'm a jewelry hound, um, but yeah, I, I really I love jewelry. I love my baubles. I love all that. And and he knew that, and it was a really special moment. So to me, that was you know part of one of my guiding principles when designing this is I wanted to make it easy, but I wanted to make it meaningful, um, mm-hmm. and and you know recreate those experiences for employees across the organization. So. What have you done to encourage that participation? Because like you said, it's great to have uh, an easy-to-use recognition program, but if people don't know about it or mm-hmm. don't know that it's easy, or there's so many obstacles, right? What did you? How did you approach that? So we've taken a multifaceted approach to it. Um, I think the most successful, honestly, has been what I affectionately refer to as our viral or guerrilla marketing campaigns. Um, oh, I'm familiar with guerrilla marketing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's really been... So one thing I will go back to, when we launched the program, e-cards specifically were something key. We still do not utilize those enough, but we're, we're getting better. 
we actually worked with um, OC Tanner to design a custom e-card, an animated e-card for our company that actually reflects our purpose. And when we launched the program, we sent that e-card to everyone in the company. So everyone got to see the solution, got to see what it was capable of. You know, we had the top-down approach. We encouraged people to use it. But we actually use um, an internal tool, uh, Yammer. Some some other companies may use that as well. It's almost like an internal kind of social media. Um, We have done uh, a number of different campaigns. One that we do on a regular basis is Thankful Thursday. So we create a little Mm -hmm. hashtag, Thankful Thursday. We push out some communication about the meaning, you know, the meaningfulness of recognition, easy ways to recognize. And it's kind of that reminder to people of don't forget someone did something to help you this week. <laughs> Think about that and take this, you know, opportunity on this thankful Thursday to just send them an e-card, you know, send them a message. Um, that I think has proven incredibly successful. We saw another big spike um, with our employee appreciation day last March, and we're gearing up again for the one coming up here in about six you weeks. You read my mind. Yeah. Um, so we actually featured some recognition stories out on our homepage. Uh, and, you know, employees see that homepage on a daily basis. We also push out a digest at the end of the week where they see all the articles that have been posted. So we featured a couple of managers that we saw that they use the recognition tool regularly, and we asked them to kind of be our ambassadors, be our voice for the program. So um, we featured articles with them talking about the meaningfulness of, as a leader, recognizing your employees. And then we also featured from an employee perspective, the meaningfulness of recognition to them. In addition, we expanded our use of on-the-spot award cards. So a lot of our hourly associates don't have company email addresses or um, you know, they don't use a laptop every day like we do, right? Right. They're too so mobile. we exactly, but they do have phones and they can download the Great Work app and and redeem their points there. And so we have on the spot physical cards that we can give. We expanded that program to create a separate um, health and safety card. So if you're, you know, somebody spots you working in a safe way, we can give you an award. Um, if you report a safety concern, we can give you a card. And we have increased our utilization just in the past year from about 47% of our employees utilizing the program to 80% as of the end of the year. So yeah, we are incredibly proud of that. And one thing that I monitor very closely is the percentage of our managers utilizing the tool, right? We, you know, employees want to feel appreciated from one another, but they really want to feel appreciated from their manager, right? And we increase that from... um, over 10 points. So now we are close to 60% of our managers in 2020 use the tool in some way, shape, or form. Not where I want to be, but it's a significant increase from where we were a year ago. So the word is getting out there. Um, and honestly, I feel like 2020 has contributed to that. I, I think if you aren't reassessing whether it be your life, how you work, your interactions, your people, and you know, I know for me personally, it's inspired a lot of gratitude in me, you know, thankfulness for the things that maybe I don't get to do as often as I used to do, you know, going out to eat or taking a trip. Um, But I've really appreciated seeing how my coworkers have stepped up in a really difficult and trying time just to help one another. Um, You know, we, we saw it very keenly at the beginning of COVID, you know, we're an appliance company. 
we had no idea how this was going to impact us, right? And all of a sudden, we started seeing demand pick up in ways that we have not seen before. I mean, think about it. Everyone's at home now. They're cooking Mm -hmm. more. They're washing their clothes. And by the way, sanitizing is becoming really important. They want to sanitize their dishes. And we started seeing, you know, freezers, right? People were looking for deep freezers. So there they was could... a run on fridges and freezers for months. You're exactly right. And so, you know, the appliance industry as a whole has been a, a winner in the COVID economy. Um, you know, we've really seen that, but there were a ton of challenges that came with that. Um, you know, supply chain issues are labor shortages. You know, we make a lot of our products right here in the U.S. And, you know, when COVID hit, we had employees that maybe they had to go into quarantine or they didn't have childcare and they needed to take time off to care for their family. And we suddenly found ourselves in a situation where we didn't know how to make all the stuff that we needed to. And hundreds, hundreds of salaried employees volunteered to work on the line. So we had, it it was amazing. I mean, we had people, you know, who That's stepping up. (laughs) It was stepping up in a big way. And, you know, I know, focus on recognition, but from a culture perspective, you know, I think it just has reinforced for me the culture we have as a company, just the way we came together to be successful in this environment. Um, we, We had some significant challenges and there was not a single person that didn't step up to try to, you know, help make product and get it out the door. And, you know, and a recognition, too, of how difficult those jobs are on the line. Assembling a dishwasher is not an easy thing to do. And I think it built a new level of appreciation for the different types of work that people do within the company. And this sense of teamwork and camaraderie that I think has just really defined for me, you know, what 2020 has meant to GE Appliances. And that then drove a lot more recognition behavior, you know, especially as we were wrapping up the year, you know, thinking back on a recognition experience, I actually chose to, you know, get my team some holiday gifts, right? Hmm. And of course, with COVID happening, we're all working from home. My team is is not <clears throat> tied directly to the factory. So we've all been working from home. And so one of the things I did was um, I drove to each of my employees' homes and, you know, delivered the gifts, right? You were and Santa so, Claus. I was Santa Claus. And, you know, standing out there, masks on, you know, seven feet apart, you know, dropping the bag, backing up. But just, I mean, these are people that I've worked with for years that I hadn't seen in person in some cases since March. And so it, it was driving that personal recognition, you know, taking that time and effort. And I, I tell that story only because I know it's emblematic of what a lot of our folks did. You know, they tried to make an effort at year end it may have been giving points, but I know a lot of folks really went above and beyond and tried to drive that personal connection with their team in, in a way that they could do so safely. Um, but it, it did. That's the sort of thing I probably wouldn't have done in the past, right? I, I don't make it a point of dropping in on my employees' homes. I respect privacy. Yeah, normally, uh, it might be a little normal. weird. It might be a little weird. It, in you know, in 2020, it felt perfectly natural. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> so, it, well, it's part of the recognition experience is like, it, uh, this is meaningful enough to me that I knew that I couldn't just do what we normally do. I had exactly. to do something different. Right? If that isn't the mantra for 2020, I don't know mm-hmm. what is. I'd like to go back to Employee Appreciation Day. Yep. You mentioned that. Uh, you must have some big plans. Perhaps you don't have to reveal them here, mm-hmm. but it feels like this is the most important Employee Appreciation Day ever, maybe. 
I'm yeah. sure there are lots of other people in HR who are maybe sweating a little bit or at least already planning for it. So what are you guys doing? So we are. We um, we partner very closely with our communications team, and and we're we're looking to send out employee communications. You know, we we may or may not, depending on whether it's safe to do so, be putting posters all over. Um, that may Maybe not KG, be. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. We're not so sure about that, but I do think we're going to look for the opportunity to really feature um, more of those recognition stories, whether it be from employees or from um, managers that have recognized. Um, so we're going to kind of double down on what we did, you know, and really drive that communication and encourage our managers to just say thank you. You know, I, I mentioned earlier on that e-cards are amazing and probably very underutilized within our population. You know, we send quick thank you emails all the time. Mm-hmm. Take that extra 30 seconds, find an e-card, whether it be funny, enjoyable, you know, goofy, um, sincere, heartfelt spend the extra 30 seconds, find a card that means something and send that. It's just, I know with my team, you know, I try to make it a point to do that, you know, on a fairly regular basis, not enough. I will fully confess that, but the reaction is different than if I just send a quick thank you in an email. When I take the time to send a little e-card, you know, I can, I can almost hear the delight in the response, right? So I would like to see us really push that. I think sometimes managers can get a little cagey with recognition if, for example, they don't know what their budget is. So they're nervous about, you know, giving that or, you know, well, we have some uncertainty rolling up in 2021. So should we, should we not? An e-card doesn't have to cost you anything, but it, it, it matters. It has that impact. It costs you a little bit of time and effort. And I think that's why people, uh, see it as more meaningful, right? I mean, it's just like sending an actual postcard or exactly. handwritten card is it's you can tell this is not the easiest way to do that and i appreciate the extra effort exactly and you know we had the privilege of working with oc tanner to do some analysis um this was covered in a white paper that oc tanner had put together uh, last year for us we'll we actually put a link in the show notes yes please do um we actually looked at the impact of our recognition program on different elements, specifically around employee retention and employee engagement. So we were able to look at our recognition program and marry it up with our employee survey um, that we did. We we pulled a couple of years of attrition data and married that up. And the results are astounding of the impact just an e-card can have on reducing the likelihood of someone leaving the company in the, the, the month following the rece- receipt of that e-card. It is a no-cost, high-impact, you know, meaningful thing that we can do. And that's one of my goals for this year is to really focus on that. You know, get away from the conversations of, well, I'm not sure I have the budget, but recognition does not have to be just about the dollars. Again, I go back to, you know, my first point. Recognition is an experience. Mm -hmm. And and e-cards are a no-cost, incredibly high-impact way to recognize people. So you say you, uh, you've done a lot of extra research trying to suss out the impact of your recognition program. Um, how do you collect data about your people? Is it mostly uh, employee uh, surveys or I, you've worked with O.C. Tanner to you know, do more analysis? But uh, yeah, how do you collect data and what are the, what are the biggest insights that you've gotten from looking at that data? 
honestly, we're stepping back and kind of relooking at our employee listening strategy. Mm. You know, the, the days I think of the, the big, you know, annual or biannual employee surveys, I, I'm not sure that may make sense. We genuinely don't know at this point. And so what we've tried to do is do some pulse surveys, you know, periodically, whether it be to a subset of the population or a specific group, just to understand how things are going. A couple months into the pandemic, we reached out to a subset of our population. We actually allowed them to write in comments, which I know can sometimes be harder to analyze than, you know, sure. yes, no, or rating scale. But, you know, able to do some analysis like word clouds and things like that to understand and pull out some of the common themes. What's come out of this is no different than I think a lot of other companies are experiencing. You know, employees are, are working more. Um, you know, we've got kind of a bifurcated workforce. We've got people that are on site and working. We've got people that are working from home. You know, that brings with it challenges around communication, alignment. We're working through that well, I think, but it's still, you know, kind of a, it's a learning journey, right? And you're going to, some days you're going to get it right and some days you're not. So I don't know that there were any keys coming out of it that didn't match up with our assumptions per se, but I think the power of listening is sometimes it's just validating where your gut is, right? It doesn't have to be a surprising finding, right? Exactly. It can be a validating finding. Exactly. just as valuable. Exactly. And, and, you know, I think too, as we settled into the year and started looking at the industry trends and seeing that, you know, oh, wow, this is going to be a very big year for us. Um, it really galvanized the workforce to come together, as I mentioned, in ways that we really haven't before and working differently. I think the general employee expectation is, you know, when all this is said and done, we've got to move forward, right? Um, I don't think that the world is just going to snap back to what it was before. And I think, you know, in my world, as I look at recognition opportunities, I think we've got to glom onto this. You know, we can't, as I said, never miss a good opportunity. Right. With everything that people are going through, you know, people that have kids at home, people that are dealing with childcare, their their children are trying to go to school and they're trying to work, people that are navigating, you know, cramped home spaces with three kids on NTI and two parents working, right? People are are doing a lot to try to just keep it together and keep it running. And we've not only, you know, kept our head above what we've thrived in this environment. And so saying thank you, I think is even more important than it ever was before. And I'm hopeful that we can keep, you know, these trends of increasing our usage in our recognition program from, uh, you know, I'll say it again, 47% to 80% in 2020. Can't say um, that enough. That is um, <laughs> huge. incredible results. Yes. And, you know, and then seeing that significant increase in our managers using the tool, just, I want to drive more of that and, and, you know, and emphasizing the messaging of make it an experience. You know, some of the things that we saw early on with creating that experience for people were, you know, team Zooms, right? Or team happy hours, things like that. As the pandemic has settled down, I think, you know, the Zoom fatigue is real. So how do we get creative around bringing people together without making it feel, you know, forced, trying to recapture that, you know, hanging out in the office and troubleshooting, you know, issues or just talking about each other's day. Mm -hmm. It requires being intentional. And I think, you know, if we can drive that concept of being intentional about saying thank you, I'm hoping that we can continue to drive that intentionality around just reaching out, just 
pinging people via chat and saying, hey, how's your day going? How can I help you? How was your weekend? Those are the sorts of things that I think we're all missing. We're all missing that. We don't come together on Monday mornings and talk about our weekend anymore. Well, why not? Why can't we do that? So I know I, as a leader, need to do better and reaching out and asking how folks are doing. And, and I think, you know, all of our leaders, I'm hoping through this Employee Appreciation Day communications, that we can drive that intentionality of just reaching out to one another and creating those connections where we're not physically co-located right now. If you could snap your fingers and remove a corporate buzzword or phrase from the universe, what would it be? So I kind of, um, I will say, telegraph this earlier on. It's true. Best or next practice? And, and here's why. Look, to me, it's less about what a best practice is and more about what are others doing that's going to work in your company and your culture. Right. How best, universal are these? Right. I mean, what's a best practice for one company might crash and burn in another. You know, it really depends on the culture. So for me, looking for best practices, all you're really doing is benchmarking. You're finding out what other folks do. The, the magic is in finding what works for your organization and what's going to drive you forward. Um, you know, and frankly, is it really a best practice if everybody's doing it? <laughs> you know, I... <laughs> I mean, it's I think it's a popular that's, practice. It is. And I think that's where that next practice concept, I have not personally embraced that one yet. Um, to me, I, I'm a pretty, you know, I'm pretty direct and plain spoken. And to me, it's like, let's find out what everybody else is doing and let's just figure out what elements of that are going to work for us. I, I mean, the, the secret sauce is getting the buy in, getting the engagement, figuring out, you know, what's going to work in your culture and, and going from there. What's something about how your culture has changed in the last year that caught you by surprise? I don't know that it was terribly surprising, but I think just the sheer magnitude and speed of it was surprising was how quickly our employees rallied to step in when we realized we needed help to get appliances manufactured and out the door. Um, you know, we are privileged in that we have our headquarters co-located with a significant portion of our manufacturing and so we had, you know, a number, you know, a couple thousand salaried employees that we could pull from in a crunch to ask them to come to the line and assemble product. And I mean, we as a company, we shut down for a week, you know, in March, we shut down all the factories just to retool, make sure that we had a safe and clean environment for everyone to come work in. And in that week, we lined up hundreds of people to, to come in and, and work on the line. I mean, it was staggering to me. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people that, you know, gave up essentially their day job. And we all know that your day job doesn't really go away, right? No. So they sacrificed a ton of their time and energy. And as I mentioned, these are tough jobs. And if you are sitting at a desk all day, let's be honest, you're probably not used to that level of physical labor. And, you know, People really stepped up in a way that that I was pleasantly surprised by. I, I will say that. And you know, the other thing I think is the speed at which our company had to operate in 2020. I mean, it change came at us at a pace. I mean, you know, you saw the science around the pandemic was changing regularly. The regulations, you know, we have employees, you know, in almost all of the states. 
you had differing regulations around travel, around, you know, lockdown orders and quarantine orders and, you know, paid time off requirements and I'm all trying of, to keep up. It, it was, I mean, we did not get it right 100% of the time, but I will tell you, general rule, we got it very right. We did the right things by our employees. We scrambled to get them personal protective equipment in a time when it was, if you remember early on, it feels like a lifetime ago, how difficult it was to get that type of equipment. I mean, the way our team came together, we were literally snatching bottles of hand sanitizer off of desks where people had gone home and sending them out to our folks in the field. And the innovation, I mean, we got very creative around some of this stuff. And, you know, we we did things maybe we hadn't done before in ways we hadn't done before, all in the name of doing right for our employees and getting them the, the equipment they needed to do their job safely. This is not something that any of us knew how to do. There is not a, a, a course in school that teaches you how to shepherd a business through a pandemic. What does your ideal workplace culture look like? So for me personally, trust and respect and integrity are, are really key for me. I, I think those are foundations. You know, I want to give people a lot of runway and not stifle progress, right? So for me, I value the ability to, you know, bring my authentic self to work. Um, what I, you know, what you see is what you get uh, with me, whether I'm talking to the CEO or I'm talking to my team. I think that authenticity, respecting one another, um, you know, acting with integrity, you know, that's one thing that is such an embedded part of our culture at GE Appliances and, you know, has been for as long as we've been in existence. And that is a non-negotiable for me. But the other, the other piece is I want people to feel comfortable working together. I want them to bring their full selves to work. I want them to be able to talk about their families and, you know, what they did on the weekend and send pictures of your kids and your pets. And, you know, so I think it's balancing that, you know, building those connections with that foundation of trust and respect and integrity. I know that not everybody in the workplace is going to agree on, you know, how we move forward on a particular issue. But I, I think we all need to give each other the opportunity to be heard. And particularly as we're driving forward and growing the business and innovation, it's that culture of openness and, and encouraging people to speak up and, you know, finding unique ways to solve problems, giving people voices that maybe haven't had before. I mean, that to me is really ideal. And for me personally, the way I like to work is, you know, pull me back if you need to, but let me run. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for bringing your authentic self to the workplace. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Now it's time for Tangible Takeaways where we take big ideas back 93 million years to the late Cretaceous period, when the forests extended pole to pole, and herds of sauropods and hadrosaurs and ankylosaurs and ceratopsians roamed the lush, tropical landscape, feasting on ancient magnolias, sassafras, willows, and ferns, all the while silently stalked by apex predators. Abelosaurus, Spinosaurus, Tyrannosaurus, 
Carcharodontosaurus, or the deadly but tragically blind, do you think you saw us? The first is that more than anything, personalization is what makes recognition meaningful. Because even though it's often filtered through corporate policy, recognition is a personal process. It's the words of appreciation expressed from one colleague to another as only they can that makes the biggest impact on people. The reward, the points, or whatever you end up getting with them, also has an impact. It's a tangible reminder of your work making a difference. But it's those idiosyncratic expressions of gratitude, often studded with inside jokes or hyper-specific references only the recipient would really get, that really sticks with people, and over time, comes to define your company culture. So take an extra minute or two when you're sending recognition, whether it's a formal award nomination or just a quick message of thanks, and talk just to them. They'll notice, and you'll have made a difference, all for an extra minute of work. The second is that this is the year of employee appreciation. Last year, employees everywhere faced the unimaginable and kept working, kept innovating, kept doing what they had to for themselves and their companies to survive. It's something we never thought we'd have to ask of our people, but they all stepped up and did extraordinary things. They figured out how to make working from home work and how to make working from work safe. They weathered a global crisis full of uncertainty, anxiety, and fear. And it's not over yet. So let's do something extraordinary in return. So go big for Employee Appreciation Day, but don't stop there. Keep thinking of ways to express gratitude and reward your people for their unprecedented efforts all year long. They don't deserve it. They earned it. The third is that there's one question that, in hindsight, I wish I had asked Natalie. Why does every new appliance have its own theme song to signal that your clothes are dry, or your toast is done, or your milk is appropriately frothed? Was there some focus group in 2018 that was just mad for musical notifications? Or perhaps an OPEC-level active collusion between all the appliance manufacturers? Is this what people really want from their machines? This is the actual sound that's played when my washing machine finishes washing my clothes. It's not that it isn't catchy, it's that it is. I don't want my washing machine's greatest hits stuck in my head. That space is for Van Halen's greatest hits only. I feel like we could do better. Right, Daniel? What do you got? As always, this episode was written and produced by yours truly, with original music and sound design by Daniel Foster-Smith. If you liked this episode, or even if you didn't, please rate, review, and of course, subscribe to The Workplace on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you have a burning question about workplace culture or a story about why your workplace culture is the best or worst, send it to theworkplace at octainer.com. And maybe we'll talk about it on an upcoming episode. The Workplace is sponsored by O.C. Tanner, the global leader in engaging workplace cultures. O.C. Tanner's Culture Cloud provides a single, modular suite of apps for influencing and improving employee experiences through recognition, career anniversaries, well-being, leadership, and more. If you want your organization to become a place where people can't wait to come to work in the morning, go to octanner.com.